Praise the Lord. There we go. Well, I'll tell you what. This is Labor Day weekend. I think nobody's, well, there might be a baby coming or something for somebody in labor, but <laughs> uh, it seemed like more relaxing going on and, and recreating than laboring. I guess that's why we call it Labor Day weekend. They get a day off or something for it. But God is good. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk today. As I shared, Pastor Zach is out of town. It's kind of like one of the last chances to get out of town and uh, enjoy some time for her family. Our family went on a vacation all together to New Orleans. We got to see my mother-in-law, who's 98 years old. And so uh, she's a precious older lady. I started to say young lady because that's just my personality. But uh, she is really pushing on. She's just pleasant, you know. She's outlived all her enemies, you could say, you know, if you ever had any enemies. But she didn't have too many enemies that I know of. She's a sweet lady. But anyway, we're going to talk today about impossible circumstances. Have any of you been in a situation that you just seemed, it just seemed like it was impossible? You didn't know what you're going to do. But you know what? God knew. He allows us to get in that place so that we can somehow come through it and bring glory and have a testimony to Him and for Him. And so... Uh, it's a point where we have to become very tenacious in serving the Lord. But the scripture, the text this morning, it comes out of Luke chapter 1, and it's verse 37. It says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Isn't that awesome? You know, there's nothing impossible for God. And I've used this scripture even probably this year sometime along the way. But that word, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And I'm an English major by trade. And so, you know what I see there is the fact that nothing is impossible when God's in it. He can't do nothing. You know, we can sit around, we can get in a recliner, we can sit back and say, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to throw on the towel. I'm just going to give up. But God says, no, it's not time to give up. You know, when God is involved, nothing's impossible. See, he's not going to do nothing. He's going to do something. So when you have God with you, he's with you to bring about a great result. He's with you to bring about something powerful. And so... You know, I've just got to that place where I just believe. Amen? And you know what? In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, But without faith, there it is, it's impossible to please Him. You can't please God unless you have faith in God. And you know what? That doesn't mean faith about God. That doesn't mean, well, you heard a story about Him, and so you have faith about God. Oh, if God really loved me. Or, you know, God might do that for one guy, but he won't do it for me. Many people have an inferiority complex in their faith. 
And so they don't stretch it. They say, but you know what? I was this or I did that when I was younger. So what? I did some stuff when I was younger. I'm just fortunate enough, I'm 64 years old now, and I don't remember half of it anymore. Some of y'all are younger, so it's pretty fresh in your mind. <laughs> Caleb, you're very young, so you know you remember what you did this past week that wasn't pleasing to God, don't you? He's shaking his head, yes. His mama remembers. <laughs> Caleb's a fine young man. He's going to grow into a powerful man of God. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to have to go get my own switch. My mama was five foot five, five foot six. And, uh, you know, she'd say, go get it. Go get a switch. I'd go out to a tree. I'd look for one that's kind of dead almost, you know, because those break real easy. And so I'd bring it back and... She'd say, okay, turn around, and she'd switch the back of my legs or my rear end. I, that, was no, that was no fun. And, you know, I got to this place where I came back with one one day, Bob, and I said, you know what? And I broke that switch over my knee. I said, that doesn't hurt. She said, oh. You know what? If you're too big to get a switching, then you can just stay home. You're not going with your friends to the ball game, or to this or to that. And that was the biggest mistake, Stephen, I ever made in my life, I think, is telling my mama her switching didn't hurt anymore. You know. So then I got grounded. I didn't like that word, grounded. That's like, I wanted to fly. You know? No, your wings are trimmed. They're cut. You're not flying anywhere. You're going to go and stay in your room other than eating. You know, my mama was good about that. She never kept me from eating. I appreciate that. I was so skinny I could turn sideways and disappear. So I needed all the calories I could get. You know, my coach in high school, he nicknamed me Bones. He said, Bones, when you stick out your tongue, you look like a zipper. Jim Daniels was his name. He was the truant officer of the high school. And uh, he was an Arkansas Razorback as you call it, in his college days. And, uh, you know, there are some things I didn't like about him. Like when I was going to class, he said, you got to wear ankle weights. You're so skinny, you got to build up your legs. So I had to wear ankle weights for like two years. If he caught me without ankle weights, I was in trouble. Yeah. Then, if I made a mistake on the basketball court, guess what? I carried a basketball around with me all day. To every class. I had to, I just had, if he caught me without that ball, I was going to run extra sprints. And uh, I was scared of him, just to tell you the truth. So I did whatever he told me. You know, he'd say, run. I'd say, how fast and how far? He'd say, jump, how high? You know, uh, I obeyed my coach because I feared him. But you know what? We don't have to fear God. A lot of people are afraid Oh, God, he's, gonna, he's got a big hammer up there. He's this white-haired gentleman, you know, ferocious. And, and if I do wrong, wham, he's going to get me with his hammer. Man, I was afraid of God. You know, and you want to love Jesus, and you, you appreciate the fact that he died on the cross for you to redeem you from sin, 
But it was tough reconciling God the Father and Jesus the Son. You know, I wanted Jesus to be my buddy, but I was afraid God would be like my dad who would spank me with a long black belt. A lot of people say that's child abuse. But I don't know, I, I turned out pretty good, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was, I've been a good citizen. I pay my taxes. <laughs> I do what I'm supposed to. Uh, and my mom switched me with switches. And they never called them in by family services. Now, I know some people abuse people. I've had to deal with a few of those circumstances when people have abused their children. And that's not good. It's not a pleasure to do that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, if you're diligent in seeking him, that means you don't give up easy. That means that when the going gets tough or rough, well, like they say, the tough get going, you make up your mind, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, I'm not going to back down, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust God. You know, I'm sorry, I was a coach for several years, so when I'm talking to you, I'm trying to coach you to go to victory. I want you to dig in, be diligent, believe that God can do it. It doesn't matter what it is. Now, I'm going to tell you, Statement number one is this. You cannot please God without faith, activation. Mark chapter 11 says there, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now you cannot just have faith in a God that you think is out there. Sister Cookie, it, it means that you have a relationship with God. You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have confidence in Him. You know the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. And so you can't back down. You have to, while you're in that relationship. See, my wife and I, we go home and we live in the same house. We're together. Now I'm going to tell you, we have unity because we live together. She takes care of certain things. I take care of certain things. And we work together to manage our house. We work together to raise our kids. And you know, she used to tell the kids, now, wait until I tell your father when he gets home. And you know what? I wanted to be the guy that came home and they would go, Daddy's home, because they were so happy. But when the kids wouldn't say, Daddy's home, they ran and hid under their beds. I told my wife one day, I said, and she's not, I don't know if the TV's on the nursery. She's in the nursery. I'll probably get in trouble now. No, but I, I'd tell her, I said, you can't do that. You have to discipline them, Johnny on the spot, if they've done something wrong. And so she developed the, we got the little, the little spoon, the wooden spoon. How many of y'all have ever used a wooden spoon? There's a few. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You won't abuse your child if you got the little stick and a little wooden spoon on the end of it and you just hit that on their bottom a couple of times. 
they'll cry even before you hit them usually. And they're crying, oh, no, she's getting out the spoon. Well, one of those spoons got weak one day, and I don't know where Nicholas is. He's probably out there drinking coffee or something. Maybe he can hear me. Maybe he can't. Courtney, I'll tell on him. But he acted up, and I had I was home, and I had to discipline him. So I grabbed that wooden spoon. I said, Nicholas, turn around now. And I, I just thumped him. You know what my kids told me the other day? I said, Dad, when you spanked us, it never hurt. That's because I was so nice. I hated to spank my kids, you know. I just, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And so, but that time the spoon broke in half. I said, my goodness, did I hit him that hard? Of course, they always cried because they, they wanted you to stop. You know, I think they were good actors. But anyway, I think my wife had used that spoon quite a few times on four little behinds. You know, and, and it kind of got worn out. But anyway, our kids turned out pretty good because they learned discipline. We taught them to not be quitters. We taught them to not give up. We taught them how to endure through things and to stick their nose to the grindstone or whatever you call it and, and stick it out and keep going. Let God move that mountain. And so we go on, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says or speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. I like that. Therefore, I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Praise God. You know, there's a point when you start having faith in God, not faith in a God you're not next to or you don't know, but faith in the God that surrounds you with His presence, that you walk with every day, the faith in the God, the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you, that when you speak, He speaks. Isn't that awesome? God even has angels that work with us. Uh, many times I've had people see angels, and I never see them. But they see laying hands on somebody, and the angel lays their hand on them. I've had that happen in several places I've preached where they saw angels. One time I preached in Guadalajara. Man, the words felt so thick, and all of a sudden, uh, one of the ladies, I saw her run up the side and go talk to the pastor's wife while I was preaching, and it, it just seemed slow. And then I found out after service was over, we had 200 people saved that night. We had 30 or 40 called into the ministry. That's a big church, though. And so uh, they told her, and several people said, that when I was preaching, they couldn't see me. Several people couldn't see me. All they saw was light in front of me. I was hiding behind the light. I was preaching through the light. One of them saw Jesus standing in front of me. Well, you know why? Because the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is or was God. Jesus Christ is the Word. That Bible is just the writings about Jesus and the work of God and the Holy Spirit 
And so that word is alive. And so when we speak it, it should inspire somebody. Man, somebody ought to be jumping up and down by now saying, Hallelujah! You know? Like that group in Kenya that time I preached in Nairobi and I had a prophetic word. I heard rain in my ears. And the first night of a convention, 7,000 pastors and their wives. And I said, I hear rain. And I was just saying what was going on. A bunch of them jumped up, started running around the building, waving their hankies. I said, man, it didn't take much to get these people excited. I didn't know it was a drought for like a month there. And, and the water was running out. And, and that night it started raining in the middle of the night. And it rained for five straight days. And it ended the drought. Big headline in the paper, rain ends drought. Well, the rain was never forecasted. It was never predicted. I didn't make it rain. I just got in on it in the beginning of the parade because the Holy Ghost in me told me it's going to rain. And I began to hear it before it even arrived. And when it arrived, they thought I knew something. They came to all my sessions that week because they said, that, that man knows something. Well, that's because I'm not a great orator without the Holy Ghost. I'm not doing anything without the Holy Spirit. It's just almost useless. We might as well go watch a ball game. But when the Holy Spirit's moving and speaking through you, then awesome things can happen. You speak God's Word. And He says, then when you pray, if you believe, whatever you pray for and speak, it will happen. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. Statement two is this. Faith is powerful if you speak the word that you believe and not doubt. You can't be doubting. I was in Foley, Alabama last weekend, and I was in one of our Spanish churches. Most of our churches are Spanish. I've got a handful of English churches that are connected to us. But I was preaching in this church Saturday night, and we had a new pastor installed that's Cuban. And that was the first time I got to meet him. And so we, I preached Saturday night. We prayed for a bunch of people. And God was healing people. And there was prophetic words going. He gets up and he says, Can you preach tomorrow morning too? Because he wasn't going to have me on Sunday morning. I said, Well, yes, I can. Is because the church that I was supposed to go be a part of helping them because they were fragmenting and breaking up. They shut the church down, the leaders did. Well, all the other people were hungry. So I preached in the Spanish church again Sunday morning, and more stuff happened. And then we ran over to the church, well, not to the church, but to a house where that group of hungry people were. It was about 18 to 20. And we ate some of the best barbacoa. That's barbecue tacos, if you didn't know. That meat... I tell you what, I've never tasted a better taco in my life. But it was Mexican family that made them that day. It was their home we were meeting in. And so then after we ate, we went out to their sunroom and we had a little church service. And I started praying for people. And I come back to this lady. She was from Guatemala. And I said, you need a healing. And she said she had stage four cancer around her right eye and she couldn't see hardly at all out of it. She definitely couldn't read. You know what? I've been spending a little time with Jesus. 
and the Holy Ghost. And because of that, I believe. I, I don't care what it is. I believe God can heal it. I believe God can deal with it. I don't know in here has an impossibility, but I know God told me to preach this message today that there's nothing impossible with God. There's no circumstance too difficult for God. Amen? Faith's powerful if you speak the word and you believe and not doubt. Well, she was a Guatemalan doctor. She was from Guatemala. She was very refined, very educated, and she said she had that cancer stage four around her eye. I know this testimony is for somebody. And I laid my hand on that eye, and I commanded that cancer to go, and I said, you will see in the name of Jesus. I said, open your eye. And she said, yeah, I see a little bit. I said, I always have to pray three times. I don't know why. Or speak it three times. I said, you will see in the name of Jesus. And sure enough, she said, I see a little better. I said, well, God wants you to see real good. So I put my hand back on her right eye again. And I said, you're going to see perfectly in the name of Jesus. And she opened her eye, and she said, yes, I can see really well. And one of the other ladies that had been around the ministry for like 40 years, she brought over this book and opened it up. The print was real small, Lois, and she looked down there. This far away, she could read the small print. She was completely healed. I wasn't a doctor. I didn't x-ray her eye, see where the cancer went. I don't care. That cancer had to vamoose, vaminose. I think you say vamos, and then, you, then they go with you. That cancer's not going with us. It's going to vaminose. It's going away. And so she was healed. See, that's an impossibility. Stage four, that means it was almost over. They were ready to cut that thing out and probably their eyeball to go with it. Maybe put a glass eye in there or something to replace it. But God didn't want her to be deficient in that way. Yeah, Holy Spirit, you can interrupt me. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Isn't God good? Cookie, can I pray for you? I know you didn't want me to talk about your eye, but if you'll come down here, I'm going to put you on the spot. She's got something going on with her eye. I didn't know she'd make it today. And I had this illustration because it just happened. How's the prognosis now? A little better. Which eye is it? Both? All right. Will y'all agree with me? God's going to completely heal her eyes? I believe it. I believe this is your day. I'm so excited. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hand towards her. There's a lot of power when people agree. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the attack on her eyes has got to cease and desist. And we command the infirmity to let go 
and go. Go away in Jesus Christ's name and allow her vision to become clear. Let her be well in every way and let that not be a problem anymore. Let the doctors be truly amazed in Jesus' name. Okay. Would you tell the difference, sister? A little bit blurry? Well, you know what? I told you I got to do it three times. Well, Lord, we command it again. Yeah, just let it get better in the name of Jesus right now. All right, now let's see. You want to see my Bible? Come on up here. You can look right at it. Still blurry? Well, I don't like that. This is the third time, Lord. You could do it for that lady from Guatemala. You can do it for Cookie today. We want to see a victory. We want to see a testimony to your glory. I can't do this, but you can. All I am is standing in faith, believing and not doubting. So that's what we say. She is healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm just going to leave my hands there if I can while I'm talking a little bit. You know, on Monday morning I went and had breakfast at Cracker Barrel with Brad Cunningham who started those churches down there. He was a missionary to Mexico at one time. But anyway, Brad, we ate breakfast and a, a Spanish, a Mexican named Abel and his wife Maria went and ate with us. And he owns many businesses and he's he's just got a lot going on he owns three mexican restaurants i said well if you get two more i can eat there every day of the week when i come visit at one of them but anyway he said i got a cousin that's catholic watch it nick i got a cousin that's catholic and he wanted to come to the services he was mexican he was in an accident five years ago and they had to do surgery on his upper back, the thoracic area, right in here. And so uh, when they did the surgery, uh, they, you know, it was terrible. He was paralyzed from the chest down. And so I talked to him about being saved first, and he confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then I started I said, can I lay my hands on you? The Bible doesn't even say you really have to pray. If you pray and believe, things happen, just like the Scripture said. But he said, lay hands and the sick will recover. I said, I, God can do a miracle today. You can get up out of that wheelchair, walk, whatever. Or you can begin a gradual healing. Either way is fine with me. And I said, let me lay hands on you. I said, where do you not have feeling? And he pointed right below his pectoral muscle on his uh, left side. So I put my hand below that where he had no feeling. And I said, do you feel anything? He said, I feel heat and a tingling sensation. And so uh, I said, okay. So I put my hand down on his left knee and then on his calf. I said, did you feel anything? He couldn't feel nothing but for years now. He said, I felt heat and that same tingling. I put it on his right leg. I said, what do you feel? He said, I feel heat and tingling. 
He said, everywhere you put your hand, I feel heat and a tingling sensation. Then I said, that's the healing power of God flowing in you. You can get better. I put my hand on his back, which had a long scar down his back, and I said, you're going to feel it there. And he said, I do. I feel the heat there. And then I said, Abel, come over here, and I'll uh, take your hand. And I prayed for Abel, and I said, Lord, let him flow on this gift. And so then I said, put your hand on him where he can't feel. And when he did, he felt heat and tingling from his hand. I said, you come over here once a week and just start laying hands on him, praying for him, and things will happen. And so we were praising and rejoicing in the Lord because God's touching him. Okay, now open your eyes. Yeah, look down there. You can read it? That's better, huh? If you can read it that far back, you're doing good. Yeah, but I'm still. That's a long way away. Awesome. Give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, we may pray for a few more along the way here. But this is the point. God does impossible things. I got one scripture I want to read out of Exodus 14, 21, because I can't read the whole stories because we don't have so much time. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. He had a rod, and he stretched his hand out, and God blew into that place and made the waters stack up on both sides. Now, I've been to the Red Sea. I've been to Egypt. I went down there and drank Egyptian coffee, kind of like Cuban coffee, right on the shores of the Red Sea. And I've seen it. There's no easy way to cross that unless there's a miracle. Well, God divided it. The winds dried it. And then how many million were crossing over? Touched him. Two or three million. I've heard it be three million. All those people crossed over. You're talking about St. Louis crossing over. St. Louis County. Everybody lives up there. Crossing over the Red Sea. And then he, by the time they got over, he let the Pharaoh's armies come on in with their chariots. And they got down in there. And about that time, God said, drop your hand, Moses. When he did, the waters flooded it, destroyed the enemies of God. Now, one of the verses before that verse I read to you earlier, it said, God allowed it so that he would receive honor. Not just glory, but honor. When you honor somebody then you treat them with ultimate reverence and respect. So God would receive honor because of what he did and allowed the Israelites to come out of there. That's an awesome illustration right there. Then the next scripture, because I was talking about receiving honor, then in Daniel 3.18, what do we see? 
But if not, let it be known to you, O king, talking to Nebuchadnezzar, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar set up this image, and at a certain time they'd blow their trumpets and play their music, and everybody come and bow down to that image. They said, I'm not going to bend my knee. I'm not going to bow down in front of your image. I'm not going to worship that image. It made Nebuchadnezzar so mad that he got his armies and said, Stoke the fire seven times hotter. It was so hot it, it melted the guys who just stoked the fire. They couldn't get away. It melted them. It killed them. And then they threw those guys in there. The only thing that burned was the ropes that they had them tied up with. And Nebuchadnezzar takes a look, and he says, didn't we just throw three men in there? But he said, I see a fourth man. And he said, he is likened unto the Son of the living God. And so he called them out. When they came out, they were not singed. They were not burned. And he said, their God, he is Lord. And that's who we're going to worship from now on. Even Nebuchadnezzar had to repent from it. Impossible situations. Both of those were impossibilities. And then the third one has to do with David. And go ahead and put that scripture in 1 Samuel 17, 29. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? See, he come over bringing uh, chocolate chip cookies to his brothers. Maybe some pork chops or something. Well, they didn't know. The Israelites didn't eat uh, pork. Lamb chops. He brought a care package over there because they were serving in the army. And he brought them some food. And he said, what's going on? And the armies of Israel are all scared by these giants. Goliath and his brothers and all the, the Philistines. And Goliath was making fun of them, you know. He looked like King Kong or something. He was out there so big. But David said, come on now. Who, who do we serve, basically? And they said, hey, you need to quiet down. He said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? We have a cause for our fight. What did we sing this morning? This is how we fight our battles. I love that song. This is how we fight our battles. Man, we do it through praise and worship and prayer and fasting and speaking by faith the Word of God. You will overcome. You know what? I don't know if anybody in here suffers depression, but I'm giving you a prescription. I'll write it down on a piece of paper if you need it. But you go and praise God. And Okay, I'm going to be bold. Is anybody here willing to admit sometimes you suffer depression? Everybody does sometimes. But yeah, okay, there's a few. All right, I'm telling you right now, you go read five Psalms and one proverb a day. Because I did. This is how I come out of being depressed. Psalm 1, Psalm 31, Psalm 61, Psalm 91, Psalm 121. Every 30th Psalm is linked thematically. The Word of God is amazing. And then you read Proverbs 1. And you go through 
30 days of reading those chapters. Now, I know when you get to 91, it's, it's kind of long, but you'll make it. But you read five Psalms and one proverb a day, and you'll begin to have wisdom, and you'll begin to be able to battle depression. It, it can't stay. When you sing those songs, I met Joy before service. Sister Joy back there. And, you know, that's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. We rejoice in the Lord always, and again we say rejoice. Joy is an important thing. It's not just a name. And she's got to become the picture in the dictionary. And she smiled when I met her, so I know she's living up to her name. Does she live up to her name? Yes, okay. You better say yes. You're in trouble. No, but we fight our battles with joy. It's not just happiness. I'm not happy about everything. I'm not happy if I go to the crisper and there's no hot dogs in there. I need a snack, so I want some hot dogs and some of those cheese sticks. That's a quick snack. But that's, that's just circumstantial. But there's no circumstance that God can't handle. And so what's the next scripture I had in there? 1 Samuel 17, 49 through 54. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. Man, he had a good aim. He just knocked him out. I mean, hit him right there between the eyes. And then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now, he's killed. Isn't that what it says? All right, let's do, read the next one. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword. Now, you're talking about a guy that's like seven foot plus, maybe eight foot tall, eight foot six, a giant. His sword must have been like this long, you know. And this David is a ruddy-faced shepherd boy. So he goes and grabs this big old sword. And what does it say? He took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. He killed him once with a stone and killed him again. He made sure that rascal was dead twice. <laughs> if he had a breath in him, it wasn't no more. He chopped his head off. That's pretty gory. You know, the Old Testament's X-rated sometimes. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They ran. If some little pipsqueak can kill their champion with a rock, he had a rock concert. And it wasn't praising the devil. He was praising the Lord. And he took out that sword and killed him. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharam and even as far as Gath and Ekron. Hallelujah. And then the children of Israel returned from chasing 
the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. They got all their gold and silver and anything else they had. And David took the head of the Philistine. Now, this is gory. He took his head, which if he's eight foot six, you know, his head had to be big. It was like a horror movie almost. Took his head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. He, he grabbed Saul's armor as a trophy. And then do we have one more? Is that it? But we're not going to be intimidated by giants because God gives us a word. David had faith. And he said, is there not a cause? He wasn't backing down. Moses didn't back down. The three Hebrew children didn't back down. We could have talked about Daniel, who was thrown in with some lions, and he had them purring and rolling over on their back, and he scratched their bellies. They wouldn't even eat him. That's my paraphrase. <laughs> but I'm telling you. So you say, well, that was in the Bible. I know a lot of people aren't going to be crazy about me talking about O.J. Simpson because of the way his life started trajectory downward. But you know what? His mama worked two and three jobs. She scrubbed floors on her hands and knees and bought braces for his legs. He had rickets when he was a little baby, an infant, and at two years old, they had to put braces on his legs. This guy became a movie star and, you know, very famous. He was a Heisman Trophy winner in USC, University of Southern California. He was an NFL Most Valuable Player, I think, twice. He's the first man to run for over 2,000 yards in a season. He scored 70 touchdowns in his eight-year career. He was an awesome athlete. But you're talking about a kid that his bones were soft and deformed and his mama worked hard so she could take him to the doctor back in the 60s or, or even well, before that, but as when he was a child, and they put those braces on his legs. He wore those braces for three years. Makes me think of the Forrest Gump movie. Now his mama got him some braces on his leg, and one day the guys were poking fun and, and on, and he starts running, and as he runs, the braces fall off, and he said he never stopped running. Of course, that was a fictional movie, you know, it wasn't real, but it showed him running for Alabama and, you know, all this stuff. But O.J. Simpson's life was real, and he became an awesome, awesome athlete. He He joined the the uh, uh, a gang at 13 and they snatched him out of that gang got him into playing football in high school and saved him what an illustrious athletic career over 11,000 yards rushing in his total career some of the women are looking at me like what does that mean it means he was great he went from being a crippled little boy to most valuable player status in the highest league of football. Now, we just wish he had more God in his life. Maybe he does now. I don't know. 
But you know what? We don't give up. His mama would not give up. You ever see that movie Hacksaw Ridge? That guy, I think he is, I don't know if he is Seventh-day Adventist or what, but he was a Christian and he refused to shoot a rifle. He is a conscientious objector. And they shamed him, beat him up, everything under the sun trying to get him to quit. He would not quit. And they finally decided, we'll let him be a medic. And he was deployed with these guys. And they ended up in Okinawa at this steep cliff, 400 foot high. And there was a battle, one of the worst, bloodiest battles took place on top of that cliff. Because he had a tenacious faith and he wouldn't give up. You know what happened? He started going in there and it's like supernaturally God was causing the bullets to not hit him. And he would snatch one of the wounded guys and he would take him and he would go down the rope with this guy on his back and he saved, they, I forget the exact number, it might have been 79, but it's between 50 and 100 men that he saved. He even saved some of the enemy. But they said they kept hearing him say as he would go back up the cliff, one more, Lord. Just give me one more. He saved their lives. You know, John, we got to feel that way. How about one more? Just give me one more. Give me one more kid. Give me one more teenager. Give me one more adult. Give me one more senior. I've led people to the Lord on their deathbeds before they saw the end take place and they prayed. A lot of people say, well, they didn't even deserve it. It wasn't about deserving it. It was about the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Thank God they got to go to heaven. They, they might not have any jewels in their crown when they lay their crown at Jesus' feet, but at least they get to get a crown. And they get to enjoy heaven. I want to have a crown that's loaded with jewels. I want to be like that song, Thank You, Lord, when somebody comes up and says, I want to thank you because if you hadn't preached in our church or in our town, I wouldn't have accepted Jesus. I just want to thank you. Just one more, Lord. You know what it does? It makes me not complain so much. Man, I've got it made. I've got heaven to look forward to. You know, I was down in the Puerto Vallarta area there earlier this year. I had 13 pastors from Tijuana that were there that had all been in the cartels. Every one of them. One man would not tell me what he had done. It was too terrible. And he was probably the one that was had the softest heart. Older man. The others, they told me, we were involved in human trafficking. We were involved in drug trafficking. That's what they knew. You can't hardly be in anything down there and not be involved with the cartel. 
I've led people in the cartel to the Lord. I preached and prophesied over two ladies in Guadalajara that were the money launderers for the cartel in Guadalajara. They cried like babies. You know the Holy Ghost when he picks somebody up and you give them a word of God and they know nobody told you, there's no way in the sun you knew that, it just cracks them open like an egg. And, the, you know, the yolk just pours right out. Everybody's a candidate. doesn't matter what they've done. doesn't matter who they are. They can all be saved. Every one of them. Yeah. I was kind of a wild child there for a little while. Back in my 20s. I used to dance on top of the tables at a country western bar in my cowboy boots and hat and belt buckle. And I'd jump off and do the split and back up again. It wasn't even disco. My buddy would go with me. He'd wear his too. He was from Oklahoma. I'll never forget, man, I got God got a hold of me. And I got scheduled to preach in a youth rally in Oklahoma City at Capitol Hill Assembly God Church. And the pastor's name was Hull. Well, he had two sons that lived on my dorm floor. They were great athletes. Well, the older one was the one that would go with me dancing. And I told I walked in that place. He walks in. He had on his police uniform. He had on all the stuff, the badge and everything. He came straight from being on duty. He said, I just had to come over here. I said, why? He said, because I can't believe you're a preacher. I said, well, I don't know. I'm looking at you. I can't believe you're a policeman. <laughs> Either God really did something awesome or this society's in trouble. One of the two. But you know what? Nothing's too hard for God. Man, he can get a hold of a heart and make you something awesome for the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, you just start seeing blinded eyes open, deaf ears open. You see crippled people get their hands unfurled. You see people stand that couldn't stand. They start feeling that they can not feel before. Awesome stuff. Cancers disappear. Tumors disappear. One lady down there, her leg grew out that far. I know it was all it was, the stuff mixed up in her back and her and her joints and everything. God snapped, crackled, and popped, and they went into place, and that leg went, poof, came out even with the other one. That's God. It's awesome. Well, I'm getting hungry. What time is it? I can't even see my clock. Twelve, right on the nose. I got two minutes. All right. I want to ask you right now then, two minutes. We got more than that if you really want to hang around. But I want to ask you, if you have an impossible circumstance in your life right now, I want you, if you want to, you know, if you're not going to have faith in God, it's not going to do me much good to pray for you. But right now, if you have what you think is an impossible circumstance, I'm here to tell you you're in the right place today because this is the word of the Lord that he gave me to give to you. 
If you've got a sickness that you don't know how it's going to be taken care of, whatever. If you'll come right now, I know God's going to touch you today. I just know it. If that is you, come on down. Whatever it might be. If you hang back, you're not going to receive it here anyway. Maybe you will in the future. But right now, Nick and John, y'all want to help me? Praise the Lord. Is it something you can tell me what it is? Okay. You're a candidate then for a miracle. Can you, does it bother you to take your glasses off? Okay. I'm going to anoint right above your eyelid here. And I'm going to put my hand over that eye. It's the left eye, correct? Okay. Everybody agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not just any old Jesus. It's Jesus the Christ who is anointed for salvation. And so salvation includes healing. And I speak to this eye. What is your first name again? Eugene. Eugene. We speak to Eugene's eye to be healed. Infirmity, be destroyed and go away. And let the doctors be amazed at what transpires as his eye begins to heal. And let it get better even now. Open it, please. Can you tell any difference? Yes, okay. One more. Let's keep going. Let's do it three times. Lord, one more time. Let it even be better in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Is better? A little better. Well, I don't like that little bit. If there's a little pain, a little pain needs to go. So that little better has got to go away, and it's got to be a lot better. Father, right now we give you the glory. We give the praise to Jesus. He is the awesome one. So we thank you for the healing around Eugene's eye. Amen. That's a lot better? Well, praise the Lord. Isn't that great? (laughs) We just rejoice and we thank God for it. Smile for everybody. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay. You can stay up here. You can go sit down, whatever you want to do. You're back? Scoliosis? Well, God, I'm not supposed to have no kids with scoliosis. 
So I pray right now for this back to start curving correctly. Muscles, loosen up and allow this backbone to be the way God made from creation, not the way something has deteriorated it, caused it to shift. And I pray for pain to be gone in your name, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, did you have pain when you came up here? It didn't hurt, but it was sore. Can you bend around a little bit? It does? That's not supposed to. Lord, take that pain away. She's my daughter, so that's why I so quickly put my hand on her. Go away, pain. In Jesus' name. Try it now. Well, three times is a good thing. Lord, one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Let this loosen up all the way. Amen. Okay? You felt heat? Yeah. That's happened. My hand is itching right now. My hand itches and gets hot when the healing gift is operating. I'm glad he has gifts. What do you need? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you know what? That has to be something to do with your neurological spine or something. Anyways, the signals from your brain are not communicating just correctly, so whatever's causing it, Lord, I lay hands on Stephen today, and I pray that the numbness in his hands goes away and in his legs that it goes away. In Jesus Christ's name, hallelujah. Right now, Lord, I believe. I believe you're going to be supernaturally touched right now from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now, can you feel? Move your hands. A lot of pain? Well, pain go away right they're now. Moving better. <laughs> they're moving better? Well, yes. But we don't want pain. A lot of pain go away in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, move them again. Better? Okay, third time. Lord, thank you. I thank you that his pain's going away completely. Thank you, Lord. How about your legs? Bend it. There? Oh, his was getting numb too, though. Yeah? Well, as you feel better, I proclaim that you're going to go home. She's going to say, I don't know what happened, but my legs feel better now. Yeah, Lord, send your word. There's no distance in your, your word or in healing. Send it to his house right now. She missed church today. She could have been here and greatly encouraged. Maybe she's watching online. It's just not the same as being here. Lord, I pray that you touch her and touch him. Pain be gone. Okay, move those hands. A lot better. Is there any pain? No pain now. If there was, I was going to say, little pain, be gone. Yeah. Okay. What do you need today? Overhaul. Well, you know what? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Endocrine system. I, I prayed over that one time without knowing anything about it. 
okay. You know what? You're going to feel a surge of power today. It's going to be like plugged in. Yeah? Well, you know what, Lord? She said it. She needs an overhaul. She needs her teeth worked on. She's got pain. She's got too many things. Her knee from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Lord, give her her request. Give her an overhaul by the power of Almighty God. Touch her system, her bones, her endocrine system. Touch her muscles and her nerves and touch her teeth and touch her gums and touch her knee and touch from the crown to the bottom of her feet right now completely in Jesus Christ's name. I know it's true. By his stripes you were healed. Everybody say yes. Touch, 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 touch. Lord. If you come up here to help prayer, you need something. Your mom, everybody stretch your hand towards Cookie. In the name of Jesus, she's standing in place for her mom. God, touch her mom. She in the hospital? In the hospital. In and out. If she could go anyway, either way, Lord, she should only go home to heaven if it's her time and you ordained it. If that's the case, we give you glory. But if it's not, take the pain out of her body and let her restore and go home back to her house in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Your neighbor, what's wrong with you? All right. Oh, Lord, just put your hands up like this. All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Out of your belly will flow the rivers of living water and you will speak the word of God out of your heart with a boldness and that man is going to receive it and he's going to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior you're going to say one more Lord one more hallelujah use Randy that way we pray to be a witness amen hallelujah somebody has been having trouble in your jaw. I don't know if you've been grinding your teeth at night out of stress, but you actually feel a clicking sometimes, but you you have just stress, tightness. Who is that? If you'll admit it, you'll be healed. God will loose you from it, okay? Come on. You know what? God has not called us to stress. Or I should say distress. Some stress is good. Like when you make a big sale or you, you know, that stress is wonderful. You celebrate when some good things happen, but it's still stressful. But distress is when negative things are coming at you. But you know what? Uh, Is that what it is, stress? Okay. Well, Lord, I just pray for Donna today by the authority of Jesus Christ. 
I lay hands on her and believe that you're going to align her system with your word. Take away the stress. Take away any pain in her joints, in her muscles. We ask you to rebuke any infirmity trying to attack her with thoughts that would cause any anxiety or fear. And I ask you to loose the victory and the supply line. Hallelujah. I see the supply line being unclogged in Jesus' name, whatever that means. And that she won't grind her teeth or be in tightness where she shouldn't be in the name of Jesus. Amen. How you feel now? Better? You should. Because, yeah, God is with you to deliver you into your victory. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? It's awesome what God does. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah. She does? She was. Here, let me just agree with you. Father, in the name of, what's her name? Sherry. Sherry, we send the word of God that God is your victory. And just calm her spirit, Lord. Even when we get elderly and dementia or Alzheimer's comes on, usually the spirit is still very much alive. And some that knew hymns and spiritual songs can still sing them, still know them. I pray that Stephen go over there and visit her and maybe sing some hymns or something to her that she'll begin to rejoice because you're with her. And you do with her as you please and cause her to be a blessing in her latter years. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. <laughs> Bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Glory. I felt something about somebody's knee, and I don't know if it was like in the back. You know, I had that myself this week, but it comes and goes. But it's in the back of the knee. It could be the sciatic. You know, you got a nerve back here that goes all the way up through the hip to the back. Is that what yours is? Yeah, all the way down, doesn't it? Both? Okay, just lift your hands. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for the healing power. Amen. Lord, touch Bob and his back right now and bring healing to him in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there it is. Sense the power of God just flowing in there. Amen. Yeah, you feel that? Yeah, I felt your muscles moving even. Yeah, in the nervous system. Stress, even the grief process, releasing in the name of Jesus. And peace. I pronounce peace over your household, over your life over your work in the name of Jesus Christ thank you Lord for Bob and bring awesome healing in his spirit, soul and body the body is just reflecting what's going on from the root through your soul to your spirit and so we just pull that old root out and say you're healed and you know what you're a good guy because Jesus has made you that way and don't you accept any negative from somebody in Jesus' name. Okay, move around. Is it hurting? 
Good. Pain's gone. Good deal. You hurting in your back? Your knee? Which one? The left one. Chelsea, jump up here. Put your hand down there on her left knee. Both sides. Lord, in the name of Jesus, give Carol strength and healing. By your stripes, she was healed. It's already paid for. And we just pronounce it and declare it and decree it by the authority of Jesus Christ. I sense the power of God flowing in you right now. Hallelujah. Woo. Jesus. Yeah. It's flowing all the way down in there. Y'all could probably see it. Yeah. Hallelujah. You're going to have more energy too. It's not just your knee. It's all the way in your lungs and your back. Yeah. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Jesus. Everybody say yes. You know what? That just shows unity. Yes and amen is what we're talking about. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great, the healing power of God? I've known her for 64 years. She's my sister. She's older than me. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Glory. Okay, can you move it around a little bit? Is it better? No pain? It's gone. Well, that's what God does. That's why for I don't know how long now, maybe over a year or two, it's like everybody that steps out in faith like that, once we pray until we're done, they have no pain. The pain goes. If you have anything, this is the last call, 1215. I'm not in a hurry. So if you need something, just come on right now. Come right here. Yeah, right here. Come on. Come on. I can have two at a time. Yeah. You're walking kind of slow there, Sheila. What's going on? Come right here. Nick and John, help me. Yeah. I'm going to go to you first because you're a lady. Where's it hurt? Well, it looked like you were kind of tender walking down. You're stiff? Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay, good. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to give me a long... You can give me a reason fast here. That's fine. You're hurting. Okay. And who are the two you want prayer for? Your niece? She's the one with the cancer? On her pituitary gland. Well, you know what? God doesn't have no problem with pituitary gland anymore than he does on her lung cancer or cancer around the eye like that lady last weekend. Rhonda, Rondi, Rhonda, well, Jojo, be healed in the name of Jesus. We curse the cancer. We ask you to bind it up in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to cast it away. Let her call Sheila today and say, I don't know what happened, but I feel better in the name of Jesus. He wants you better, not bitter. Hallelujah. 
and help Sheila feel better in strength. Release any infirmity in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'd never push anybody over anything. I'd barely touch them. In the name of Jesus, touch and bring healing. Ooh. Yeah. Glory. Just stay there, John. What do you need, Philip? Where at? Lower back? Okay. Nick, just put your, your hands on his lower back. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for healing into his lower back, that by his stripes he is healed, by your stripes, Lord. We declare Philip will loosen up and that the heat of God will go into that back in Jesus' name, and that he'll be well. Amen. Move around a little bit. Still tweaking? Okay. Better. Okay. Well, that's what we expected. How about you? Your neighbor? A girl. What's wrong with her? She's a woman. That's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a mess. Always have been, always will be. Her back. Okay, give me your hands. Surgeries? Okay, give me your hands. Lord, Sheila's going to go home today. She's going to visit her neighbor. She's going to put her hands on her back, and she's going to be made better and not bitter in Jesus' name. Ha, ha. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You're back. You're double dipping. Your feet are killing you. Diabetes, okay. Well, you know what? Oh, okay. Well, Lord, you need to go eat some. But let's pray for your kidneys. Which one, right one or left? Well, you mind if I put my hand there? All right, I curse this thing in your kidney. The cancer's got to go. This is not your home. This is the Holy Ghost home. Her body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. So we curse cancer right now, and we declare energy, diabetes, you got to back off in the name of Jesus. Lord, just continue. Do to her what you did to Tara. Give her overall. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And her feet. Okay, I'm not going to hurt them. Okay? But I'm just going to tap them with my foot. Lord, take the pain away. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, bend them. Go like this. When you walk, we'll go walk a little bit then. That lady down in Costa Rica, she couldn't even stand. We got her walking, then she ran off. You're not? You never know. The Holy Ghost hit you. Just walk across there. Go on. Come on, I'll walk with you. All right, let's walk. Thank you, Lord. You do a lot of this during the day, that diabetes is under your control too. Hallelujah. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Tara. We're walking. All right, you can walk on your own now. Anybody else? Anybody hurting? Okay. 
Well, I speak into the camera because I know Dennis is watching. Dennis, we speak as if we are laying our hands on you and on your legs. The swelling's got to go down, and just like we're putting our hands on your lungs, the lungs have got to be able to breathe properly. You are too important to the kingdom to be knocked down or knocked out in Jesus' name. We speak healing. We send the word of God to heal your body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody stand up with me. Just lift your hands to the one that loves you the best. Lord, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for the word of God, which is true. And I ask you to touch everyone who is here. They are the head, not the tail. They are the blessed and not the cursed. They are the redeemed of the Lord, and they can say so. And when they leave here, they can share the word of God, and others can taste and see that the Lord is good, and your mercy endureth forever. Amen and amen. God bless you. God loves you, so do we. Be friendly. Meet Joy and her family before they go.